This is episode 65 of the Kindred Mom podcast. I am your host, Emily Sue Allen. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Kindred Mom podcast. Today's show is all about the surprises of motherhood and more specifically how motherhood has blindsided us and brought about challenges we didn't know to expect. Today, I have Lindsay Cornett and Robin Chapman joining me for the first half of the show as we share the struggles that we've been through as we welcomed our children and gone through some different stages of development. And towards the end of that part of the show, uh, I got a little choked up and the audio gets a little bit messy. So I apologize for that in advance, but I hope that you are encouraged anyway. For the second half of the show, I am really pleased to have Jen Babakan, who is an author of a book called Detoured, and she, in her book and somewhat in this interview, talks about her experience going from her professional life as a working woman to the challenges of being a stay-at-home mom and the shift in her understanding of herself and her identity and finding a new sense of purpose with a new set of challenges in front of her. Um, She has a lot of wisdom and a beautiful, rich encouragement to offer to women who might be able to relate to her experience. So I hope you enjoy that part of the show. And please head over to kindredmom.com and check out the rest of the Surprises of Motherhood series. We'd really love to have you check it out and connect with us over on Facebook or Instagram to talk more about it. Thanks so much for listening. Well, we're in the middle of a series on the surprises of motherhood, and today I have Robin Chapman and Lindsay Cornett here with me to talk about really how we have been blindsided by different things in our motherhood journey. Ladies, welcome. Hi. Hi, friends. I'm really glad to have you guys here, and you know... Last week on the podcast uh, was kind of the surprises of motherhood opening, and there's just some more lighthearted stories about this topic. And today we might be taking a little bit of a deep dive into maybe what we didn't expect um, to find as we stepped into motherhood. And I just want to say that, you know, this topic I think is really needed just because so much of what we, we try to really talk about the positive side and encouragement for moms. And yet there are some things about motherhood that just can really be challenging. And so I'd love to know um, where you'd like to begin as we jump into Blindsided. Well, I have been thinking a lot about this idea as we prepared for this conversation and trying to think about why I have been surprised by so many (laughs) things. And I was just remembering how, I don't know if this was true for you all, as well. But when Evan and I were preparing to get married and we were doing our premarital counseling, and then even when we were newlyweds, we did a couple different, you know, marriage small groups in our church and that uh-huh. sort of thing. And it was like the constant refrain to manage your expectations, to not mm-hmm. go into marriage with a whole lot of expectations about how your partner was going to be and what jobs they were going to do around the house or how they might respond to yeah. conflict. And that was like this mantra, right? That we were told over and over and over again, um, that if we wanted our marriage to be happy, we needed to manage our expectations. But I don't think anyone ever told me that yeah. about motherhood. I, <laughs> I feel like as women, especially those of us like me, I always grew up wanting to be a mom and thinking about that and planning that. And I mm-hmm. certainly had some expectations. I mm-hmm. thought I knew how this was going to go. And it just, you know, has surprised me in so many ways, good and bad, but 
um, I, or I don't even want to say bad necessarily, yeah. but hard, good ways yeah. and hard ways. And I sort of wish someone had told me, hey, manage your expectations. <laughs> like maybe yeah. make a list of all the things that you're expecting to happen and, you know, throw that <laughs> list in the trash because it's not going to go the way you expect. I kind of feel like I should do that now. Just like make a list go of the things that yeah, the unspoken expectations yeah. I'm carrying. I was just going to say about that, that I think I've been surprised by how much of a learning curve there is in every single season of motherhood that, yes, it was quite an adjustment when I welcomed my first baby, but I do still feel like every time we hit a new season, like right now we're launching into teenager land and I'm like, oh no, I'm not ready. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I have so much to learn. And, you know, it's not like it's been especially difficult because of our new teenager, but it is just a whole new land of unknown things. And I don't know, I don't know why, but I just am kind of anxious (laughs) that I'm going to fall on my face in this area. I was um, like, it's kind of funny you guys talk about like the first one being an adjustment and it's weird because I, like I grew up the oldest of five. um, And so I like watched my mom do baby care for really all of the formative years of my life. And, and I had helped her for at least the last couple of them. Um, So I like, I knew I loved babies and I kind of knew how it was supposed to look. And so like I kind of heard my friends talking about like how hard it was when they brought their babies home because I think I talked about this in one of the September essays that like I was the last of my friends so all of my friends were telling me how hard it was so I was like kind of anticipating Mm -hmm. this but then Jenna came home and it actually it wasn't anywhere near as hard as I expected it to be like I had just this really easy transition to motherhood and so we decided to have another one right away (laughs) (laughs) and then I was blindsided because I was like yeah Yeah. I've got this I'm so good at mom and yeah and um no no actually (laughs) you are a fantastic mom Robin but I totally hear what you're saying (laughs) yeah but I did not have it as as all together as I thought (laughs) yeah Yeah. And I I don't know about you, but for me, so much of that is that none of this happens in a vacuum, right? It's not like we're just in a little bubble with our brand new newborn and nothing else affects it. I had a similar experience. The transition from two kids or from one kid to two kids was much harder for me than either of the other than having our first baby or having our third. But a lot of that for me was due to external circumstances. We had just moved across the country. We had kind of lost our community. We didn't have any family nearby. Mm. It was our first time experiencing a Michigan winter. It was, there was a lot happening that was contributing to that. And because the first experience, like you're saying, Robin, had been relatively smooth sailing, I was really, really caught off guard mm-hmm. by that, those challenges. Yeah. Can I just say yeah. I've been really caught off guard with number seven? <laughs> Have you? Yes. I mean, I Aww. feel like we had uh, in our early years with just having two and three, our arrival of our third was a pretty challenging time. 
really because of the life circumstances surrounding it, not necessarily the baby's arrival. Um, And then when we had number four, five, and six, all of those arrivals were just so full of love and joy. And sure, I was exhausted and I was dealing with the postpartum period of kind of trying to figure out a new normal for everybody, but it was just really pretty chill. And this has been the Mm -hmm. one that I was just not expecting to be so sideways (laughs) all summer. Um, And it's been really beautiful in certain ways that I I didn't expect, but I also just, I don't know, getting to those thin places that are just so vulnerable and so like, I don't feel strong. I don't feel like I am able to just, you know, steer this ship where it's supposed to go, that it really has been something I've had to yield to God and say, God, you've got to help mm-hmm. me here. Cause this is, it's not even the baby. Like he's beautiful. He is perfect. He is just a sweet um, temperament and everything, but it's just kind of the recipe of my health challenges and our large family that just needs leadership, needs my investment. And so I've had to just change how I do a lot of things. Yeah. 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 And there was like, you've had so many, like, like Lindsay was saying how none of this happens in a vacuum. Like you just had so much going on around his birth, like before and after that it'll to a number yeah. on you. Well, I would love to talk about yeah. uh, something that I've been surprised by because I have a feeling you guys will probably be able to relate to it. And I have been surprised by the tension I feel between strength and weakness and how that is expressed in every season of motherhood. Because coming into mm-hmm. motherhood, I had a pretty specific idea of what I thought it was to be strong or how it felt to be weak. And over the years, that has changed a lot. Um, I would love to know for you guys what you define strength as, how you define strength and how you experience strength and or weakness in your seasons of motherhood. That is a great question. I don't know that I have a really good Mm -hmm. definition of strength necessarily. Mm -hmm. But I will say that for most of my life, I did not feel particularly strong. I'm not an athlete. I, you know, Mm -hmm. am not, I always say I have zero upper body strength, right? I, I don't have that going for me. And I am also, you know, I can be very sensitive and very emotional. And I think I, over the years growing up, internalized a lot of society's ideas and stereotypes about what it means Mm -hmm. to be strong. Mm -hmm. And so I've never considered myself to be a strong person. Um, physically or mentally and emotionally until I was pregnant and until I began Mm -hmm. mothering and my whole perspective shift and it didn't come easy, but I just had this sudden sort of internal recognition, which is really just grace, Mm -hmm. I think from Mm -hmm. from God in my life that I am strong. Like, look what I can do. Um, I can carry a baby. I can birth a baby. I can mother these children Mm -hmm. when I'm exhausted. And when Mm -hmm. I don't feel like I have any patience left and when I don't really know the best way to do it, all of that requires so much strength. And I know that's not just true for me in my circumstances. Like think about mothers who have lost babies or who have adopted babies. Like the strength required to endure those circumstances is just beyond me. And I 
at the same time, motherhood has brought me to my knees. You know, mm-hmm. I had postpartum depression and anxiety, which I'm sure we'll talk more mm-hmm. about in this episode. And that made me feel so weak. And obviously in childbirth, like the pain that you endure in that like brings you to your knees in so many ways. And it has been, it is, it's an interesting tension. I think it's a paradox, right? It doesn't seem to make sense, but somehow in motherhood, he brings us to both our weakest moments and really, I think, connects us to our strength um, in, Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. Yeah. I I think, um, I, I'm not sure I have a good definition for strength. I do know that the way that it's felt to mm-hmm. me has changed. Like I used to feel, I would say there's a really distinct, so I have my babies, I have four babies and I have them in two pairs. There's the, the older two and the younger two. They're right now um, three, four, seven, and eight, right? So there's a, there's a bit of a gap between them. Um, and then the, the pairs are super close. So I would say between the pairs, like in that gap between um, second and third, I remember I had like, finally, when I finally got my feet under me after having Catherine sort of, I felt really strong on the days that I had my ish together. Mm -hmm. Like when I was (laughs) kicking butt, knocking stuff off my list, I felt like I had had it down. Right. Um, and then I had Brian and for the first time I I had really expected postpartum depression with Jenna and Mm -hmm. Catherine um, because I have, I just have a lot of risk factors. I've got mental health history and family history and like all the stuff. Um, So I expected to see that and I was like prepared for it. But by the time my third rolled around, I again, kind of figured like, it's fine. I'm fine. This is how I have babies. It, it'll be okay. Um, And I, got whacked upside the head by postpartum anxiety, um, really hard and fast. And I, um, and after my youngest was born, I wound up with like this adrenal fatigue thing that went on last year. And it's just, I'm starting to see that like strength. Yes. It's really nice. It's really nice to be able to feel competent, but competent cannot be my only definition for strength. I will never forget when I, um, finally figured out, what was going on with me when I had postpartum anxiety, like it clicked for Mm -hmm. me one morning and I like called my midwife to talk about some medication and texted my husband after that. And he sent me this text back that was like, I think it's really, really brave and strong that you asked Mm -hmm. for help. I'm glad that you did that. Um, And like redefining strength as sometimes just being asking for help. Yeah. When, when you need it. Yeah. So it's changed a little bit. My, my strength has Sometimes it still feels nice to check things off, but much more frequently I'm just slowly and steadily doing the things that need to be done for my family. Yeah, well, and I think that the brokenness of our bodies going through childbirth and, you know, our Mm -hmm. bodies do experience so much, whether we choose to acknowledge that, whether we really feel that in a deeper way until later when you have seven babies and then you crash. (laughs) Uh, but I just, I think that what strength, how that has shifted for me and my understanding is that I used to really equate strength with might or mightiness and being able. And I think how that has changed is there are times that I feel capable and like I'm able to do things. And then there are times that I'm just choosing to stay on the road, <laughs> you know, that I'm choosing to continue on. And it's, it's 
less about being strong and more about being steady. And, you know, that's, Mm -hmm. that's how Mm -hmm. I have, I've had many mothers in the last 10 years or so tell me that I'm a really patient mom. And I kind of laughed to myself because I'm like, hey, do you want to come over for a good <laughs> solid three hours and you might feel differently? But I... I come between the hours of 4 and 7 p.m. <laughs> right, exactly you know, that. But it is something that I have honestly worked really hard at. And, and it's not like I possess more patience in this reservoir that I'm waiting to use at the right time. I think I just have learned how to be steady when the challenges come, when a child is becoming unruly or not really following my directions. Instead of, you know, trying to respond with my muscles, I'm responding with my just steady response of, okay, this is what needs to happen in order to set this situation in a better direction. And I guess for me, as I think about strength, if I think of trying to be as steady as I can, that's something I feel a lot more successful at. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me that our our job isn't to be like the most powerful person in the house all the time, Mm -hmm. right? Our job is not to like lord authority over people or anything like that. But our job, I think in a a few episodes ago, we talked about the idea of being a committed mom. Mm -hmm. Um, And that, that is strong, right? To just show up every day and do the next right thing and be, like you said, a steady presence. I like that word. Um, Mm -hmm. That 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 yeah. is strength. Yeah. that is strength for sure. To throw out a metaphor in areas that I have zero experience in, it's it's sort of like <laughs> instead of being a like champion weightlifter, you're a marathon runner yeah. or an ultra marathon runner, and yeah. you just keep going rather than being able to lift, you know, a car once. Yeah, and I just think that because of how unique each one of us is as a mother, that the way that we learn to be strong in our lives is going to look different for each person. And I am actually right now in the process of learning how to connect what I sense is I have mental fortitude, I have emotional strength, and I have this physical body weakness that I am working through and wanting those things to match each other. Like I would love to just feel strong and be strong and act strong. And, you know, that would be amazing. Right. But what I'm learning about strength is that we are cultivating it with all the small choices that we make, whether I choose to, mm-hmm. you know, take the stairs versus the elevator or, you know, instead of trying to make a big deal out of getting a huge workout in that day, like just smaller choices that help me mm-hmm. to strengthen myself. I don't know. That has some kind of some kind of connection to the deeper longing mm-hmm. to to bridge that tension between strength and weakness. And um, I would love to talk a little bit about the other things that have surprised you in motherhood. Um, one one for me has just been the sweet threads of relationship that have happened between my kids, even if it is interspersed between the petty and maddening right. conflicts that they have with each other. Yeah. Um, but just seeing the times that they really are playing really well together or helping one another when I haven't asked them to, um, I, I just have mm-hmm. been surprised to see how sweet things can be even in the midst of the challenges. Yeah, I've been surprised at that. I actually just <laughs> took a took a picture because my youngest wanted her, you know, 20 month older brother to to sleep next to her for nap time, which I wasn't going to allow because that's not going to end well. But um, but he came he came in and like they were kind of like playing in her bed together and just being so Aww. sweet and 
it's just it's good for my heart because yeah like the two of them don't fight as much but like there's there's enough of them that there's just fights always. Yeah. I wonder if that's a universal experience because I feel the same way that when my children are being sweet to one another, when they are playing nicely, those are some of my most joyful moments in motherhood. I think just these moments of peace and lightness and joy in the middle of our days that really refill my tank. When I see that happen, I sort of feel like, okay, like we are doing something right. Like we are making some progress to them growing into the people that I hope they're going to be. It is a really sweet sort of thing when that happens. So I was talking recently with Rebecca Crosby, who was one of our writers in residence a while back. Mm -hmm. And she was just telling me a story. Her girls, for anyone who doesn't know, have a pretty big gap in age. Mm -hmm. Um, Her oldest is, I think, going into sixth grade and her youngest just started kindergarten. And she took them to school on the first day of school. And when she got there, her kindergartner Daisy asked for her big sister to walk her into her classroom. And Rebecca was so caught off guard by that and and said yes. And so she did. Evelyn walked Daisy into kindergarten on the first day of school. Mm. And Rebecca was telling me how that was such a sweet thing, but it also really just surprised her. And then afterwards, she was sort of regretting like, wait, it was my job to walk my kid into school Mm. on the first day of school. And she felt kind of sad about that afterwards. But and to me, that's like the epitome of some of these surprises of right. motherhood, right? It is yeah. both so sweet and mm-hmm. also so hard when something like that catches us off guard. But I just was kind of telling her, like, I imagine that that is a memory that she and her girls are just going to have for forever, mm-hmm. you know, of this sweet bond that they had and and how just how precious that is that Daisy yeah. wanted her big sister to walk her into school for kindergarten, you know? just a really sweet moment. You know, we were talking about expectations earlier, and I really think that that was my problem coming into motherhood, particularly the the second go round, is that those are the moments that the, the tank filling moments where they're being sweet and lovely together, or, you know, you've got a newborn napping on your chest, and it's just the most comfortable thing ever when it is the most comfortable thing. I mean, sometimes it's not, but, um, (laughs) you know, but those, those moments, I think that's what I pictured when I started motherhood, when I, when I was imagining what it was going to look like, those are the things that were in my head as like, this is what motherhood looks like. And I did not anticipate all the stuff that comes in between all those moments, which is just, I mean, like typically kind of mundane, like regular life stuff. Um, and some of it's super hard, but mostly it's just, you know, a lot of laundry and dishes. Yeah. And I think that relates to what you were saying earlier, Emily, of talking about, you know, how to build up your physical strength, that it's really more about the 10 million small decisions mm-hmm. you make to take the stairs or to eat the healthy snack. Um, and I think kind of Robin, that's what you're saying too, right? Like motherhood is not really about all of these like big, amazing moments that we'll remember forever. Right. Like so much of it happens in those small moments, those small choices, the day in and day out ways that we show up and we're consistent and we do our best, you know? And yeah, that, that was surprising to me as well. Well, we have just a little bit of time left. And because I know that this is something that most moms feel or experience in some way, at least somewhere in the first few years of motherhood, I would love to talk about um, at least our own experiences, plus maybe what we would share with new moms who are just wading into the water for the first time 
kind of what to do with our sense of self and the identity that we come into motherhood with Mm. sometimes gets radically shifted when it just, the landscape of our lives looks completely different than it did before the baby arrived. And I would love for you guys to share your experience with um, either finding a new identity or coming to terms with, you know, the changes in your life as you welcome children into your home and what that journey of embracing the identity that you currently have of yourself has looked like? Well, I um, initially, I because motherhood was something that I was, like Lindsay, I was looking forward to, expected from very early, watched all my friends walk into, watched my mom become mom to two and three and four and five. Mm-hmm. Um, like that was just a thing that I anticipated. When my identity started to just morph with motherhood those first couple of years, um, it wasn't like I welcomed that as like, oh, this is who I am now. Look, I am a mother. But once my kids got old enough to be really naughty, that it started to mess with that because like you can, I can could be a pretty decent mom to babies who couldn't talk back. But once they started like (laughs) really disobeying and being defiant, I was like, oh, maybe I'm not a good mom. And if my whole identity is mom, then like, where's, where's my value? Like, what am I even doing? And that sort of, again, this is in that break between my second and third, like, what do I even do with that? And so it's been a few, the last few years I've been recovering through both learning and creativity, which is mostly voracious reading and writing, a sense of self. Not that it's changed really any anything about who I am. It's more just like remembering, oh, I really like learning things and I really enjoy mm-hmm. saying things, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that's, it's just been, it's been interesting because I, I was so... I was so ready to give myself up that way. And it wasn't until mm-hmm. later that I'm like, wait, wait, what just happened? Yeah. So yeah. how about you guys? Yeah, such a good question. I feel like this is this identity topic is one that I could talk about for a really long time. Mm-hmm. But I think for me, I have always, most of my life, my struggle and my... um For most of my life, my struggle with this has been that I have always put my identity in the things that I was doing. Mm -hmm. So whether that was earning straight A's and being a really good student, or whether it was working as a teacher or in children's ministry, or even being Evan's wife, right? Those Mm -hmm. were the ways that I defined my identity. And so that's super easy to transfer into motherhood, right? Like these are the things that I do. I care for Mm -hmm. these children every day. But the problem with putting our identity in those things is that they are so much out of our control. And I have had to learn over time, which this has been, yeah, a huge surprise for me. And a huge thing that I have had to come around to is just this idea that ultimately our identity is not something that can change. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes we use this phrase, we talk about putting our identity in something. And I have tried to stop using that phrase because it makes it sound like my identity is something that I can just like move Move around around as I see fit based on whatever my circumstances are. And I have had to learn that my identity for me as a Christian, like I believe that my identity is that I'm a child of God and that like I'm just a person first, like a person that God created, um, that he put on this earth and that he loves. And like, that is my identity. And that doesn't change. 
-hmm. It doesn't change based on motherhood. It doesn't change based on my vocation or my job. It doesn't change based on how good or bad I am at any given thing. And that's still hard. Like I have to, I catch myself kind of I don't know, thinking the wrong way about that a lot, but it gives me so much freedom because I, like you're saying, Robin, like it, it allows me the freedom to lean into all these different parts of myself, whether it's motherhood or whether it's creativity or whether it's reading books or whether it's loving to travel or any of these things that I love to do. Like I have full permission to do those things because none of them defines my identity. Um, and I think if we, if we define our identity as being a mom or as, you know, motherhood or whatever the case may be, I think that that puts extra pressure on us maybe Mm -hmm. to ignore or set aside some of those other aspects of who we are, some of those other things that really make us feel alive and feel like whole people. Mm -hmm. So I find a lot of freedom in just remembering that my identity is not being a mom, Mm -hmm. that that is a huge part of what I do every day. It's maybe my most important role that I fill, but that my roles and my identity are not the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, And I think one, one thing that I think of when you say that, Lindsay, is really how we can view so many things through different lenses. And for me, a big change that happened in my journey as a mother from the beginning of this ride to where we are now is that I, for a long time, really struggled to embrace the humble things of motherhood, what was required of me every day, um, the unglamorous things that I, I wasn't getting an award for, wasn't getting a pat on the back, wasn't getting somebody saying, you just were so awesome at that Thanks. conflict resolution or, <laughs> you know, doing five loads of laundry today. Great job. You know, there's just this longing for validation and doing something important with my time that it, it made me to really start to I don't know, develop a discontentment with what I was doing hidden away in my home because I have all these abilities and these dreams and these ideas for, you know, stuff out there somewhere else. And I just think as I have especially gone through this last year um, and have myself been going through postpartum anxiety or I don't even know exactly what to call it because I don't have a diagnosis, but I've had kind of a rough patch of things. <laughs> but I would say the most important thing that I have been learning in my my relationship with God as I have kind of withdrawn from a lot of the spaces beyond my home. I've just really been trying to be here and be really present for my kids and getting enough rest and trying to figure out this sideways postpartum period is that um, there is nothing that I can do to earn more of God's love. Trying to embrace the reality that I don't have to be really productive. I don't have to have something to show for my time or show that I am overcoming, you know, all of these challenges or that I'm meeting all of these goals. I've just really been learning how to accept the fact that um, in the humble places, in the just being here, uh, invested in my kids' lives and just honestly taking a closer look at what it is that I really value that, um, A mother's role in her child's life is so important. And I think what has been hardest for me as a mother who has a lot of children depending on me 
has a household that I am to take care of is that I still have this longing to be nurtured and um, I don't always get that from the same places. Um, there are different friends who encourage me, um, different ways that God speaks to my heart. Um, it just has made me realize this year, especially as things have been really challenging, um, that, I don't know, we don't have to be super women <laughs> and that it's okay to just mm-hmm. come as we are in yeah. our strength and come in our weakness and give what we have um, to bless and benefit our children and our husbands and our, you know, whatever our family situation looks like um, to bring the kindness and the love that we want to pour in, in these years that we have with these kids. I just, I feel so aware that that time is short and, you know, there are long days that are full of hard things. I have had many of those, (laughs) but I just, I guess I want moms to know that even though we bumble through this, even though there are lots of things we wish, you know, could be different, um, that we could be strong and capable and sailing through this season and getting an A plus as we go, <laughs> that um, it's not about getting an A plus. It's, it's about um, just bringing ourselves wherever we are, the circumstances that we're in and being as full of love as that we can for our kids, just pouring in to them. And I think it's just, I don't know, I'm, I'm a rambly mess right now because, because I just really feel that the challenge of continuing to yeah. give and give more and give again and give again. Um, and also just a profound sense of gratitude that um, I am able to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so simple, but but really so profound too. At the same time, you know that this this job we get to do it matters so much, and and it and it matters like just in and of itself. Like you were saying, like we don't have to show up and prove anything. We don't have to show up and be the best at any given part of it. That like just being present and committed with our mm-hmm. kids, like that matters, and that and that really yeah. is enough. This month on Kindred Mom, we are going through a series on the surprises of motherhood, and I have a guest today who is going to share about her experience going from being a working professional to a stay-at-home mom. Jen, I would love for you to introduce yourself to our listeners. Sure. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Um, Like you said, my name is Jen Babacan, and I'm the author of Detoured. And um, yeah, so I have basically been a stay-at-home mom now for a little just a little over uh, seven years. And so I wasn't always a stay-at-home mom. Prior to resigning from my teaching career, I, um, I worked in, in marketing and I was a teacher. And I've always been just a really driven person that uh, wanted to be the best at whatever it was that I did. Mm-hmm. And when I had my first son you know, so much changed for me. As soon as I held him in my arms, I felt like I needed to be at home with him, even though that went against everything that I had previously, you know, felt or believed. I had every intention of returning back to my classroom. 
Mm -hmm. And so, um, God really just took me on a journey of showing me that, that his plan and intention for me was to be home for this season of having, um, you know, having my children. And it was a, it was a bumpy road. It was definitely a bumpy journey from going, you know, from, from being a new mom to, uh, you know, having, you know, striven for, you know, success and feeling accomplished to letting all of that go and just being content where, you know, where God had placed me. And so that's ultimately what led me to, to write the book because I just thought, you know, I couldn't be the only mom that felt that way when she made that jump from work to home. Right. No, and I totally love that you come with that perspective because we do have quite a few moms on our Kindred Mom team. Many of them are stay-at-home moms and have been for a long time. So I sometimes forget <laughs> what it was like to be a working mom now that I am mm-hmm. about 13 years in. Um, but I just really love the way that you have captured in this book the honesty of having one idea of who you are as a person and how you uh, find validation in your everyday pouring out and the things that you do for your job to that enormous shift that happened when you welcomed your son. And I would love for you to talk about how your expectations of motherhood were or maybe were not fulfilled in that big transition. Sure. So um, my expectations of motherhood were definitely... um, you know, I would say naive as a new mom. <laughs> I, I had, I, I read every, um, every book I could get my hands on in my last trimester, yeah. uh, with my first son. And I would just spend hours, you know, reading about, you know, he is going to eat every two hours. And in between that two hours, he will be sleeping mm-hmm. and, you know, and I, I will still have time to put him down and I will clean the house. And these are the things that I will do. And, um, and so it became, apparent really quickly, uh, you know, probably while I was still, while I was still at the hospital (laughs) where, you know, he was wanting to, to nurse, you know, every approximately eight minutes. And so I was like, wait a minute, you know, this is not what the book said he would do. Right. And so, uh, it, you know, I came to realize during that time that, um, my baby was not, somebody I had read about in a book, my baby was actually, you know, a unique human with, you know, with needs. And so I realized that I kind of had to throw a lot of what I read out the window Mm -hmm. and do what worked best for my baby. And, um, and you know, it was, it was hard. I don't think a lot of people, you know, um, speak enough about how difficult just those postpartum, that whole postpartum period is. And not just for, you know, the first week or two after, but I mean, I'm talking the first, you know, four to six months, you're really just getting the hang of, of having your entire world turned upside down. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so for me, yeah, the expectation and the reality really, uh, did not match at all. And so that was completely part of the, uh, the breaking down and the growing that God had me do during that time. Yeah. Well, and I can totally relate to that, even though I just had my seventh baby about four months ago, I'm still kind of in the weeds <laughs> in that postpartum time where I'm still like, I've had six other babies that I kind of knew what was coming after the first one, but this last year has been a hundred percent different than any of my others. And so this postpartum period has been another one of those experiences where I'm discovering day by day 
day what my limitations are, what I can handle, what my family needs from me. And it's kind of been that same idea of my expectations of this period are definitely not matching up with what my reality is. And I love that throughout the book, you really um, seek to validate the experience of a variety of women, knowing that not all of us experience the same challenges, but there are challenges. And we can kind of go into each new season of motherhood with that understanding. What um, can you say about specifically the longing for validation in this very humble place that, you know, at one time, maybe it came through bringing home a paycheck or having a job that was really fulfilling. And when you then begin staying home with your children, that validation doesn't come in the same ways or sometimes doesn't come at all in the ways Mm -hmm. that you expect. Can you talk about that? Sure. Yeah. So like I said, I've always been just so driven and, um, always, you know, wanted to have a job. And I was one of those people, you know, you don't quit a job until you've got one lined up and, mm-hmm. and hopefully it's always in a upward and forward trajectory, you know? Yes. And so when, you know, I, I took a lot of pride. I took a lot of pride in my work and what I did. And I loved the feeling of, um, of having that, that achievement, you know, feeling like I was doing something and I was using my college degree. That was something that I, I took a lot of pride Mm -hmm. in. And so when all of that went away, it was, you know, it shattered my world Mm -hmm. because it, it shook my identity in a way that, I simply did not expect because, you know, I had friends that were stay at home moms, but they all seemed to be really content with that. And they didn't seem to want for more than anything other than that. And my experience was so different that I, I felt this sense of shame and guilt around it because I just kept thinking, why, why am I not feeling as fulfilled as them? My children should be enough. Mm -hmm. My, my, you know, my family should be enough and, and none of that should really matter Mm -hmm. to me. And, you know, what it really was, was just God, you know, stripping all of that away to show me that my identity had nothing to do with a career or a title. And, it had everything to do with who Mm -hmm. I was in him. And until I got that straight, I was not going to find the contentment and the peace that I was seeking. And so it really was this, um, you know, this painful breaking down. I know that it looks like it, you know, it's, it's this, this little journey that I wrote about in the book, but this was a period Mm -hmm. of about two years of me really struggling to find a sense of who I was when my career was taken away and how was I going to find contentment and peace in the fact that I had worked so hard to get through college and now I was, you know, changing diapers and washing yeah. dishes for a living. That's what it felt like. You know, this, this is now what I'm doing and, and, um, you know, and I'm, I'm too overqualified for this. Mm-hmm. Right. And, <laughs> you know, you can just hear the sense of the ego and the pride that's wrapped into that when, um, when, you know, you know that, you know, our children are, you know, some of our greatest gifts of God. And so there was this level of shame wrapped in that as well. Mm-hmm. You know, this, this shouldn't, I shouldn't be feeling this yeah. way, but God took it all and just allowed me to reach the point of realizing that my identity was in him and he was not going to allow me, you know, an escape route from sitting with him and learning 
and learning that truth because during that time at home, I I talk about in the book, I applied for every work from home job you can imagine. Mm -hmm. Um, And I received rejection after rejection, which was new Mm -hmm. for me. You know, I was used to applying for a job and at least getting an interview if I wasn't offered Uh, it. Of course. Yeah. You know, so, so applying for all of these work from home jobs and, and just getting, you know, no after no after no, you know, God yeah. was, was in no uncertain terms telling me, you know, you need to be home. I've got yeah. something here for you. I need you to trust me. And so, uh, through that time is, is where he turned my eyes back to him. And I realized, okay, that's where my identity is. And slowly, but surely peace and contentment came. And, um, and I no longer was looking for that external validation or sense of achievement. Yeah. No, I love that. And I think that is extremely relatable, even to moms who maybe are still in a working environment, not necessarily being at home with their kids, but just the process of having to let go of our expectations of what we think this is supposed to look like and Mm -hmm. how we're supposed to be doing it. And then having to step into this is the day that I have. These are the challenges before me and being able to find a sense of purpose in the midst of that. And there's a, I think it's a quote. Um, I didn't actually put quotations Mm -hmm. around it in my notes, so hopefully I'm not misquoting you. But there (laughs) is a quote from, I think it was chapter three um, that said, the encouragement that I could do anything and be anything I wanted to be had become my stumbling block to finding contentment in the simple and humble tasks of living. And when I read that, I was really thinking about a similar idea that I feel like was just lavished upon me as an adolescent, that if you Mm -hmm. can dream it, you can do it. Like there's no limitations for you. And I think this gets really sticky for a lot of women because it doesn't account for the basic, maybe not as exciting things that are required to care for a household. How have you navigated, you know, working through that idea that I think in theory, it's a nice idea, but it's not necessarily reality for adults (laughs) once they get past a certain, you know, college age range when they have Mm -hmm. the world is their oyster. So I'm just curious if you have a response to how you think about that now when there are definitely opportunities out there to be pursued at some point, maybe. Um, But then just cultivating a humble life and being invested in your home, how do you navigate that tension? Right. Yeah. So I, I do think that, you know, absolutely we should tell our children that they, you know, that they can do whatever they want with enough effort and work and all of that. Mm -hmm. But I think it's really important that we temper that with, you know, with a a sense of contentment right where we are, because if we're always looking for the next best thing, you know, we neglect what's right in front of us. That is, that is a gift from God or a blessing. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, something that, that he's having us in at, in this moment. And, and that's what I found is that, you know, the idea that I could go and be and do anything, you know, is kind of overwhelming. And so it, it creates this sense of, well, what else should I be doing? I need to be, I need to be, you know, reaching for more than, than my current place and where I am right now, Mm -hmm. when in actuality, there are such beautiful gifts right in front of us every day. And, um, I say in the book, you know, that having it all really is a lie because I, I don't think that we are meant to have it all at the same time. Right. I think that there is a sense of peace that comes with knowing that you have permission to be completely content with what you have right now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with the knowledge that 
when it's time for you to pursue other things that, that God will let you know that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I never in a million years thought I would write a book about this journey when I was in it. That was not, that was not in my mind at all. And I couldn't, at the time, I couldn't see how God was going to bring anything good out of this scenario Mm -hmm. of, you know, me feeling that I, you know, that I just was so unhappy. And how, how was I going to, uh, find this piece that I that I so longed for. So th- I can see it now, mm-hmm. looking back, that that there certainly is time when you are going on God's timetable. There is time for everything you know that He wants you to have. If He wants you to have it, you're going to have mm-hmm. it. You know, yeah. and it, it will it will be in His timetable. It will be on uh, on you know what He deems is appropriate instead of what we are pushing and striving for. Yeah. So I think that. Yeah, I think that when we're telling our kids that they can, you know, you know, have what they what they want or be what they want to be, that's great, but we need to definitely add in that element of, you know, there there is a God that has a plan for our lives and we need to always be seeking his will in mm-hmm. things and, you know, our focus should be there first and foremost before we, you know, put any pressure on ourselves to achieve the next thing. Yeah, and I think on top of that too, like while there are the sky's the limit for our kids who are maybe launching into that season, that there is still mm-hmm. some very real principles of what it takes to sustain your life, whether it's like having good habits of rest and recreation and, yes. you know, what it takes to pay rent every month or your mortgage. And that it's not just, yes. um, you know, the stars and the eyes where you can go and do anything you want to do and there are no consequences or, you know, requirements that go along with that. And so I love that you said that we should still um, encourage them to dream and encourage them to, you know, choose a direction and go that way, but to maybe also have realistic expectations about what they might encounter as they do that. Absolutely. One of the things you talk about in your book, I think it's chapter five, you're talking about grief and why it's important for women to grieve during times of change. And Mm -hmm. that is very presently something that I'm dealing with (laughs) Uh, because this last year has been such a sideways experience, nothing at all that I anticipated. It's been health challenges. It's just been new dynamics in a family where we have another baby that we weren't expecting and we love him so much. Um, But I do find myself grieving how things have changed in the last year. I'd love for you to talk about what you've learned about grieving during and through change. Sure. So, you know, I used to be someone that would hold grief at at an arm's length at all times. Mm -hmm. You know, it was something that I thought if I just don't, um, you know, entertain it, Mm -hmm. then it will go away (laughs) and I can kind of stuff it down and Mm -hmm. we'll, you know, put on this happy smile and we will just push through and, you know, and, and get it done or walk it off as my dad would say. Um, and so I, I learned really quickly when grief became something that was uh, unavoidable, unavoidable. You know, in my life, it, it felt like there was nothing else for me to do but come face to face with the fact that life was changing. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I first experienced it clearly when I when I resigned from my career, and I realized that the emotions that I was having, you know, 
really were, were similar to what you would feel, um, you know, over, over a death. Mm -hmm. And so I realized that that was a small sort of death in my life. It was, it was letting go of, of who I imagined myself to be. Um, and, you know, allowing God to reshape me into, you know, a a closer image to to who he he is. And so, um, that was, that was a, a time period where I really had to, allow the grief to come and sit in it and examine it and look at it and feel the feelings, even though I didn't like them and they were uncomfortable. And I wanted to find, you know, the exit door as soon as possible. Um, I had to learn to just kind of let them flow through me and to not fear it because, you know, when we fear grief and we hold it at arm's length and we don't process it, it ends up just snowballing and it becomes just a greater presence. And so what I found is when I would allow myself to really cry as much as I wanted to cry or feel as much as I wanted to feel, it moved through me a lot faster And, um, you know, and I experienced it again, when we had our second son grieving the, the loss of, you know, the family of three that we had built and knowing that, you know, as I went to go have our second child, as much as I longed for him in our family and I loved him dearly, I knew that that would forever change the dynamic of our family. And prior to, you know, having him, Um, all I could see was that, you know, this family of three that we had been was going away and we were welcoming in this fourth child, but there's so much unknown with that. Right. And so I really had to grieve the loss of, of the, the little, you know, threesome that we had become and let that go and give it its proper, you know, send off. And, and so I could be more open to the family of four that we were becoming. And I think because I was conscious of that during that time, it just, it allowed that, that whole process to be that much more beautiful because I was allowing for those feelings and giving them, you know, space to just be there. Right. Yeah. It's really such an honest confession to give grief its own space in our lives when there are so many things to be thankful for. And that, I mean, children are such a gift and bring so much joy. Mm-hmm. I'm curious if you can think of what has surprised you about motherhood, maybe on the joyful side that you didn't know to anticipate. Yeah. You know, I would say that I, well, first of all, I don't think, I don't think I ever could have dreamed that I would love another human being this much. You know, I always say that, that my children have redefined love for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that, that has been, it's just an indescribable joy, you know? And a lot of times we see, you know, in social media and things like that, you know, everybody's kind of, you know, joking about how difficult it is or talking about, you know, the real hard things that that come with motherhood. Mm -hmm. But I think the joy of being able to, you know, watch your child, you know, meet a milestone or even, you know, my seven-year-old, he has got this, just this awesome sense of humor. And this, you know, it's those things where when they get old enough to actually make a joke that, that you find funny, you don't expect it to be just such a heartwarming thing. And so my husband and I, when he'll do something like that, you know, we'll look at each other and there's this sense of, um, 
just incredible joy and contentment and elation that comes when you can look at your husband and have this moment between the two of you because your child has done something that really only the two of you would find that funny Mm -hmm. or that hilarious. So I think it's, you know, I think it's multiple levels because you've got just this indescribable joy of being a mom and being a parent and seeing your children do these amazing things. But also it just, it so deepens the relationship with you and your spouse, Mm -hmm. because this is some, this is somebody that you've created together with God and seeing, um, you know, how, how they, they do certain things. I don't know. I think that's been kind of the most unexpected thing. And it's been so much fun. Yeah, I agree. We have many inside family jokes, which I cherish because nobody else would think they're funny, but we die laughing because of how silly our kids are. (laughs) Or, I mean, what's really funny is my husband is the king of corny dad jokes. And I find most other people's kids are like, rolling their eyes. My kids are like trying to outdo him. So they're always on the hunt for the next like <laughs> really funny dad joke. <laughs> and uh, so that's just one of the funny things that we have awesome. over here. And um, well, I would love to give you an opportunity to share any encouragement you might have for moms who are in that place of tension where they do love their kids and they understand that it is a gift to be able to be home with them, but they also are feeling these feelings of just, this is hard. This is not the way that I used to be as a woman or how I used to carry myself in the world with my yoga pants and my top knot. And maybe I showered, maybe I didn't. Um, What encouragement would you give to moms who are in that place? (laughs) Yeah. So I, uh, my first encouragement would be that, um, that your new normal will eventually feel like a regular normal for one. I know in the very beginning of my very early days, I could not ever see it becoming a normal thing or a normal life again. It felt like it was always going to feel unsettled. Mm -hmm. And that was a really scary place for me to be. And, um, and I would reach out to my girlfriends and say, okay, when, when is it going to get better? Because right now this just feels like, you know, really awful. (laughs) And, and, you know, and they would all reassure me and say, no, you know, it will, it will feel normal. And, and I trusted them, but at the same time, I just thought, well, I'm going to be the one exception to that rule. And this is just always going to be really Mm -hmm. terrible. Um, and so the one thing I would say is yes, your new normal will eventually feel feel normal and it will feel like, you know, a life that, that is yours and that you enjoy again. I know that it doesn't feel like that now, but eventually the light will, uh, the light will break through. And I, I think that, you know, the other thing too, is just to know that no phase of childhood lasts very long. And so many people had told me this, you know, it's just a phase, it'll pass. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sure for your kid it did, but you know, we're going to be in this, you know, screaming meltdown phase until, you know, he's 23 (laughs) and this is just how it is. (laughs) Um, But, but it really is, each phase is is so fast and it does eventually go. And then one day, you know, you'll realize, oh, you know, he's not doing that anymore. And, you know, and I never say it out loud because mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I'm like, yeah. you never know when it's going to yes. come back around. Um, but, th- but the phases really do eventually pass. And I, that's kind of, I think the knowledge that comes with having more Mm -hmm. than one child. Um, and you, you know, you certainly know, you know, having seven babies that, (laughs) that with your, with your first, it seems unending, you know, you just think this is, this is how it's going to be. Um, but the, the gift of the second child or the third or the fourth (laughs) or the seventh is that, you know, there is an end in sight that eventually, 
you know, potty training does yeah. become a reality yeah. and it does happen. And then, you know, uh, we, you know, we are finally in the stage of our lives right now where, um, you know, yeah, there are no mm-hmm. diapers in our house. I never thought this day would come. Um, you know, I'm not right. nursing anyone. This, this feels like some kind of crazy, you know, dreamland yep. that I've entered into. And so I just want to encourage other moms that it will happen. And, you will you will miss certain things about it. You won't miss everything, um, but there's definitely a bitter sweetness that just comes along with just every part yeah. of motherhood. I think. Well, I am so grateful for you sharing your experience, and I would really encourage our listeners to check out your book. It is called Detoured: The Messy, Grace-Filled Journey from Working Professional to Stay-at-Home Mom. And Jen, I would love for you to share where people can find you online and anything else that you'd love for them to know about you. Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, you can find me at jenbabacon.com. And I know that that is, my last name is not the easiest to, uh, yep. to say or to spell. So they can also find me at detouredbook.com. And on Instagram, I'm just at jenbabacon. And on Facebook, I'm at jenbabacon author. Awesome. Well, I will make sure we get all of those links into the show notes for this episode so people can follow you and see what you're up to in the future. And thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute joy.